0: The Longhorn Confidential podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today, or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, January 16th. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, Mike Craven's on the other mic. Say hello, Mike. Hello, everybody. All right, today we are going to talk about... The new Texas assistants. A lot of news being dropped in the last few weeks since the... Uh, new sources. I guess new sources, new people to get to know, new... Uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. But So five new names have been um, hired since the end of the regular season, or I guess beginning of bowl season was, was when Chris Ash got named right around signing day, the early signing day. So um, Chris Ash is your new defensive coordinator. Mike Rich Uric- Uric- is Uric. the new O.C., Andre Coleman's your new wide receiver coach. Jay Valai is your new cornerback coach. And Coleman Hutzler is your new linebacker coach slash co-defensive coordinator. Um, Texas still has two spots to fill, assuming Stan Drayton doesn't leave for the Cowboys. And that will likely be a tight end coach and another defensive line coach. Um, when you look at the names that Texas hired, and this is going to be kind of a... I'm going to ramble a little bit just to no. forewarn, forewarn everybody. Um You kind of look at the resume, Chris Ash, former Rutgers head coach, stops at Ohio State, Arkansas, Wisconsin, Drake, Iowa State, San Diego State. Um, Their new offensive coordinator was at Ohio State, also Oklahoma State, a couple small schools in Pennsylvania and in in, in Indiana. Andre Coleman was at Texas last year, but he was here as an analyst. He's also coached at uh, Kansas State and Youngstown State up north. Uh, Jay Valai, Rutgers, previously he was there with Chris Ash, quality control coach jobs with the Kansas City Chiefs and George Bulldogs. He is from Texas, though, but all of his jobs have been outside the state. Um, Their new linebackers coach comes from South Carolina, also worked at Boston College, Florida, New Mexico, San Diego, and Stanford. Um, And I list all the schools to point out that Texas schools aren't on that list, with the exception of uh, Andre Coleman working here. Last year, although in an analyst role, um, that's very different from Tom Herman's last staff. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because he brought most of his people with him from Houston. But you, know, you look kind of like the people who aren't here anymore: Jason Washington, um, Craig Niver, two guys who grew up in the Central Texas, um, spent much of their coaching career in the state. You look at someone like Tim Beck, who did come from Ohio State, but at one time was a high school coach in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Drew Merringer. Went to school at Rice, I think he grew up in the Dallas area. Corby Meekins, a very successful coach in the Houston area. So those ties aren't aren't there to these the high school coaches. And we know that Texas high school football coaches are a very tight knit group. Yes. It is a very tight fraternity and you know, those relationships matter. My question to kind of start things off, do these assistants, these five that I just mentioned, do they have ground to make up with these Texas high school football coaches since they are. They've all probably recruited in the state, but there's a difference between recruiting the state, stopping by once or twice a year, and being like these other coaches who a lot of these coaches probably know by name. You know, they probably know something about their families, mm-hmm. and they can pick them out of a lineup, which I don't think is the case with these new five guys. So, Do you think these guys have ground to make up, or am I kind of making more out of this than it is? Uh, probably both.
1: You know, I mean, I, I do think they have ground to make up, and there's going to be a lot of relationships and a lot of clinics uh, this off season, like the coaching clinics that happen around the state and stuff that they're going to need to go and, and be around. Because yeah, uh, it helps when you know the head coach at certain schools, and when you know uh, coaches, you know, across the state and different districts. I will say that a couple of those guys have recruited Texas, like Mike Urich mm-hmm. has recruited, uh, you know, like the DFW area and stuff. Uh, for Ohio State, so like Billy Bowman, who we have an interview with later, kind of mentioned how he already how already knew him a little bit uh, from the recruiting trail. So when you go into a room and you have the Texas brand on, that helps. You know, there's not a high school coach in the state that doesn't want you around, so they're going to be met with open arms. Uh, but yeah, how they interact and how they act in these next few. Uh, months on the road are going to be their first impressions to a lot of high school football coaches, and that does carry weight over time on the recruiting trail.
0: When it comes to out of state coaches and building those relationships, I'm saying out of state college coaches, is it tougher for a head coach to come into the state? You know, I'll use Matt Rule as an example when he came into, you know, from you know the East Coast a couple years ago at Baylor. You know, he made sure to hire a bunch of high school coaches mm-hmm. to his staff to kind of help with that transition. Is it harder for a head coach to come in and? build relationships or is it tougher for an assistant who, you know, people may not know a lot about or, you know, if I'm an assistant, can I just say, hey, Tom Herman hired me, you guys know him, you guys can take him for for his word that I'm a, I'm a good guy.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's about the head coach and that sets the tone because these coaches know it's a business. You know, they know that, you know, the DB coach is probably going to be gone for in three or four years. Either it goes really well and they get a defense coordinator jobs or it doesn't go well and they get fired. You know, you know, the head coach is kind of who sets the table for these coaches, and they're an extension of of who you are. If a if a coach doesn't like Tom Herman, he's probably not going to like the DB coach, and vice versa. You know, mm. um, so I, I do think it has more to do uh, with the head coach. Like I think Matt Rule faced more hurdles recruiting in Texas than a DB coach that comes to Texas will, because they know that Tom Herman's Texas based and it's the University of Texas, and you know they can just kind of you know hey, it's a business, here I am, you know, we're trying to recruit your guys now uh, type of deal. So I think when a head coach comes in from a completely different area, that's when it becomes like, oh, okay, who is this guy and you know, what is this program going to be about?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, theori- theoretically, it really shouldn't matter. Like no. if, if Texas comes in and wants to offer a kid at a school a scholarship, you know, the best interest of that kid should be first and foremost. And, and it know, is 99% mm-hmm. of the time. But you know my question those coaches though can also relay previous experiences. you know if uh, you know a school burned one of their kids a couple of years ago they can you know, use that as advice to any upcoming recruits. but what role do these coaches play in recruiting? and are they I'd assume they are not as big as it is not as important for the college coaches to build a relationship with them as it is the parents right but you know, are they more important than the trainers who are, you know, getting more, you know, power the last couple of years? Are they more important than the seven on seven coaches? You know how how do they kind of fall in that, you know, that power rankings after the players? And I assume the parents are next on that list.
1: Yeah, I, I try to describe, and this is free game for any recruiting reporters listening out there. I, I, I try not to give that out too much, but there is the holy trinity of a player. Right there's there's him, there's the player, there's his parents, and there's the coach. And if you can get connections to all three of those things, I mean, you're in. If you can get two, you're good. If you get one, you're going to be okay. And so I think that's true for the college coaches as well. I think they look at those three. You know, you got to convince the kid, first of all. you got to convince the parent, second. And then it's the coach that's kind of the facilitator and the mentor and the one who can sit back and be like, okay, this coach is telling you this thing, but this is happening. This coach is telling you, you know, they kind of, they're the they're the ones that can kind of sit back and can lean on that experience, like you mentioned, and kind of say, okay, this sounds like BS, or this doesn't sound like BS or your personality would fit here. Or, you know, so I, I think while the player and the the parent are usually more emotional in recruitment because it's about your feelings, it's like dating. You mm-hmm. know, the coach is more, you know, kind of like your grandma who's sitting back, like I don't know if that's the best fit for you. You know, like I, I think they're more there to kind of be the the middleman. Um, and like you mentioned, trainers and seven-on-seven seven are becoming uh, bigger and bigger. Uh, but the state of Texas does a good job of emphasizing straight-line recruiting. I mean, they talk about that like ad nauseum. And so if you're a coach in this state, the best way to go about it is through the high school coach because that's going to be the, the lasting a uh, thing that happens and you never know where those coaches are going to go. You know, that's the other part about it is, all of a sudden, an assistant coach somewhere could be the head coach of South Lake Carroll, and you need that, that guy yeah. there. So those connections are, are huge in recruiting on a year-in, year-out basis.
0: It'll be really interesting to see where these uh, new coaches, how they kind of fare over these next couple of weeks because there's another signing day coming up, and I know Texas is trying to close the deal on a few recruits, as you have outlined um, numerous times on, on hook'em.com. If you guys aren't checking out Mike's work, you definitely need to. Please do. Yes, uh, keep keep us employed. Give us give us those clicks. Like
1: that SNL skit or like, please let him sleep in
0: your house. He's just, you know, that's me right now. Please, please <laughs> click on our stores in January. All right, uh, Mike recently caught up with uh, two of the 2021 recruits um, at the Orlando at the Future 50 event, which was part of the Under Armour festivities in Orlando. He talked to Billy Bowman, who is currently a Texas commit, and he also talked to Quay Davis, who was once Texas commit, but uh, decommitted, but is still on the Longhorns radar. So first up, we are gonna listen to Billy and Hear what he has to say about his future with the Longhorns.
1: For you, have you had any uh, conversations with the new D.C. at, at Texas yet, and kinda, or, or, or OC, kind of what your uh, recent conversation been like?
2: Uh, my recent conversation with the D.C. Coach Ash, uh, you know, he just texted me and we basically told each other, can't wait to meet each other and stuff like that, so I definitely plan on getting up there soon. And Yurchich, I've known Yurchich for a while, so we already have a good relationship, and
1: I like what we're building. I mean, is there going to be a decision on if you play offense or defense before you get to campus or is that going to be one of those things you just figure out later on? No, sir. I mean, me
2: and Herman, we've talked about it, so it's probably going to be a decision that's going to be made when I get on campus.
1: What's it like being a part of this event and just kind of you know being recognized as one of the best players in your class?
2: It's just a blessing. All glory to God. Uh, I never would have thought I'd been here three years ago, but I'm here now and I'm ready to have fun, compete. How would you describe your commitment
1: status? Are there other schools kind of still in your ear that you're listening to? Kind of what's your message when it comes to that?
2: Uh, I'm still 100% committed. I'm a longhorn, you know. Uh, nobody is really in my ear. Nobody really talks to me that much. So it's cool.
1: State championship game run for you guys. Kind of how how impressed were you with the season and how much uh, is that motivation for next year? Uh, I was very impressed with the season.
2: You know, we, we came up short the last three years before that and then we finally made it there this year, but I think maybe we got too high on a horse and we just got relaxed, but
0: we're going to be back next year. It was a hell of a football game to watch,
1: man. Appreciate it. Stay up.
0: Anyone who saw, you know, Denton Ryan play this year obviously knows kind of what Billy Bowman brings to the table. Very talented player. That was a very talented team. Kind of a heartbreaking loss in the state championship game for them, but, you know, where do you think he ends up at Texas? Can obviously play wide receiver, be a defensive back, um, he, you know, said in his interview that that's still TBD, you know, it's not right. determined yet, but you know, if you were to look in the crystal ball, where do you kind of project him to, to be in a couple of years?
1: I need to pre, I think everybody should play defense, right? <laughs> that's usually my, my go-to because everybody wants to play offense that there, there's more, you know, there's more need for defensive backs than there are wide receivers. Like a lot, a lot of good wide receivers out there. So I'm, I always lean on the whole if you can play defense, do it because that's where the money is at unless you're like a huge quarterback or a left tackle. However, with Bowman, he's just so good with the ball in his hands that I just I refuse to believe he gets to Texas and they don't let one of their best playmakers play offense. Like it just he he's too electric with the football to not give it to him. Now is that a Deshaun Jameson role where maybe he plays a little wide receiver until he's a for-sure starter in the secondary and bounces around? That that could be. Maybe he's so good he gets to play on both sides. But if I had to put money on it right now, I would lean towards offense because he likes to play with the ball in his hands and Texas' offense is built around slot receivers and explosiveness, and he's kind of the prototype of that.
0: We just mentioned that he is a standout at Denton Ryan. He has an, a teammate also committed to the Longhorns. You know, when you look at the DFW pipeline and those big-name schools, the Denton Ryans, the Duncan Bills, obviously Texas just signed a really good quarterback from there. Um, South Lake Carroll, they got an offensive lineman from there in this last recruiting class. How important is it from Texas to keep recruiting those schools and keep landing players? Because those schools are going to keep producing players. The, the, the wall's not drying up at those schools.
1: And that's the thing. That, that's like the little secret. It's not even a secret, but that's the thing we kind of gloss over, right? Like. We don't recruit in public school, high school football, but like the same schools have the best talent all the time, you know. And so, if you can get into Denton Ryan, if you can get into Duncanville, Cedar Hill, you know those those schools that are just always producing talent, uh, that's got to help. And we talked about earlier the new assistant coaches and them needing to build relationships. Well, when a kid from Denton Ryan comes and visits in a couple of years, or Duncanville, or even just South Dallas in general, Jaquindon's there, you know, you, your players become as much recruiters um, as the assistant coaches if they're from those areas and so as you get more and more guys from not just DFW but from the programs that always have guys from DFW it can't hurt because you know every time I go to a game there's eighth graders watching these games mm-hmm. you know they watch. you know we may not look at these kids you know they're kids to us but to like young kids they're role models so uh, getting those guys and having them in the Texas gear around campus all the time, that's huge that that's something that Tom Herman needs Um, in order to make Texas a real national contender because you can't win without kids from those programs.
0: Uh, Speaking of Dallas area, Dallas Skylines is a very good receiver on their roster, and Quay Davis, who, like we said, wants a Texas commit, now kind of back on the market, although Texas is still among his top schools, Let's hear what he had to say at the Future 50 event.
1: So kind of where do you stand? You know, you've been committed to Texas, now you're decommitted. Kind of, I guess, where are you with the whole recruiting process right now?
3: Oh, well, like I'm saying, like I just told the people, I dropped my top five for a reason. Like I say, Texas is going to always be here, for sure, no doubt. I'm still going to be with them. But like I say, it's it just going to take me time to see where I'm going to go play at and ball at the next level.
1: Is there? Do you think people from the outside get how much
3: pressure there is you no, know they, what I mean? No, they really don't. They're just critics, though. But I don't listen to them, so I just keep it going.
1: I mean, this is the most important decision of your, you know, your young life, right? So yeah. kind of what are going to be those determining factors for you when you do make that?
3: Uh, when I make it, it's on me. So like I said, it's my decision. When I do it, hey, it's time to grind. think I'm going to come harder, work harder, work out more, do all I can do.
1: I've never met a Dallas dude that doesn't take a lot of pride in being from Dallas. Kind of mm-hmm. what? You, what is your definition of a of a Dallas athlete, and kind of how, how special do you special?
3: People don't understand. People don't like like you said, it's special. But I come from the trenches. I come from where people don't. You know what I'm saying? We don't get a lot. So I'm I'm surprised. Like I come from the trenches where people get killed, shot every day, everything. Day. So I'm glad and thank my mama. Thank, bro. thank everybody, man. I appreciate everything.
1: How much does that make events like this even more special?
3: it well, make it great because other people don't get this opportunity, and I'm blessed for it. So I feel great about it. Uh, sure. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely.
0: Football is one of those sports, Mike, where there's very much a us-against-the-world mentality. And, you know, it's something where we get this in the media all the time where you pick uh, against a team, especially in high school. You know, they'll, pu- they'll plaster that pick all over the bulletin board and say – the media hates us, you know your friends are picking against us. It's us against the world. So I I say that, I, I say that to ask, now that Quay Davis is part of the world when it considers right. Right, when it's you know, in concerns to Texas and he's decommitted, how big of a priority is he still for the Texas team who obviously he was a priority for them when, when uh, he committed to them, but now that he's took a step back and there are lots of reasons to take a step back from one's commitment, how much of a priority, and how much does Texas still want him? More so than they have on some of the other
1: decommitments we've seen in the last couple cycles, like when Justin Watkins decommitted, uh, when Mookie Cooper decommitted. You know those are out of state guys that like Texas thought they had a chance on, and as soon as they back off, you kind of like use your resources elsewhere. Uh, but for Quay, since he's in DFW, he's really good friends with a couple of the guys that signed uh, last year. What happened with him is Samples was here. You know he committed. Um, And then Rashad left to go to SMU and that kind of opened things up. And you got to remember these dudes, I mean, he committed before he was a junior and you know, that's a long time, you know, to stay committed. And I think the, the bigger conversation is probably, you know, should they be taking commitments so early? Because this is kind of what happened, you know, it's, it's unlikely that these guys are going to stay committed all the way through. And Quay is going to remain a a high priority target because like you mentioned in the interview, he didn't decommit from Texas for any other reason than he wanted a chance to go see other stuff without feeling like he was betraying the university. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, there are a lot of, like I said, there's lots of factors um, for recruit for decommitment, and there's lots of factors for a school. When I ask this next question, part of it's time, part of it's, you know, other people on the radar. But in a general sense, is it rare for a player who decommits to still... You know, beyond a team's radar. Do, do, do they normally just cross that person off, or are the coaches still, hey, just kind of checking in with you? You know, just seeing if you're still still interested. And, you know, part of it may have to do with how they decommitted, or if yes. there are, you know, bridges burned and all that right. stuff. But an overall sense is, do do these schools still keep in contact with these kids and hope to, you know, lure them back?
1: Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, it depends on how they decommitted and why they decommitted. You know, if you decommit this early, you know, I think schools understand like, hey, that's, you know, you're 16, 17 years old. We get it. If you decommit, you know, your senior year in October, maybe not, maybe not so much. How, how, how in would you be if you came back on board? So uh, with the younger guys, I think there's an understanding of, hey, you're, you know, you can barely drive. Like we get that maybe this is a bigger decision you need time on. Uh, But yeah, you're right. Football coaches are very tribal. I mean, there's no denying football is an absolute tribal sport. And it is a like you're on board with us or you're not, and so a lot of times, unless it's the elite of the elite, you can go find somebody else that's all in and not have to kind of worry about that. And with the ever growing transfer portal, yeah. you know, getting getting guys on campus that you are as sure as you can be about a teenager is uh, is an important cog.
0: Yeah, that's another thing too. The, the five star kids that they decommit, they're probably slugging right. Calls. The, you know, the like, three stars
1: maybe. Right. maybe Had Trevor so Lawrence decommitted from Clemson. Clemson wasn't going away, yeah. You know, but if a three-star quarterback decommits from Clemson, you know, and we you know we can go find that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, it's how good you are, just like anything. It's like the Michael Irvin quote. You know, there's different rules for stars. You know,
0: in the NFL, and it's true in recruiting as well. Speaking of how good you are, how good is Quay Davis, and where does he kind of fit in that uh, the wide receiver rankings for the 2021 class?
1: Yeah, I think there's three wide receivers in Texas that have kind of separated themselves. So there's Quay Davis from Dallas Skyline. There's JoJo Earl from Alito, and then Cody Jackson from Richmond Foster. And Cody Jackson is the only one committed of those three. He's committed to Oklahoma. Um, he plays at the same high school that C.D. Lamb played at, so that's kind of the connection there. Uh, so I think those three guys are, um, you know, the top three. What I'll say about Quay is when I first started to evaluate him, I thought he was a pure slot receiver, but he's grown. This is one of those examples of, like, you know, we're, we're dealing with children here, and Whoa. sometimes... so I, Right, I was taller than Quay for his entire high school career until I saw him in Orlando, and he, he had gotten taller than me. You know, and I'm only six foot, but if he can grow to be 6'1", 6'2", all of a sudden he's a guy who can play outside and inside, and that bumps him up huge in the rankings, if that's the case.
0: I think that is going to be our last couple words uh, for this podcast. Um, You know, as always, we really do appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, We also appreciate you guys reading our work on hook'em.com, and Mike has a lot of work on hook'em.com this week. His dotted line column runs every day throughout the week. Uh, This week he has 20 things uh, you should know about signing day and a couple a couple of weeks uh, broken up into two parts so look up look up for those he also talks about the seven uncommitted prospects in his Fab 55 so kind of those uh, jewels that are still out there only seven on the recruiting trail so I'm sure those guys are getting lots of phone calls uh, these days but uh, yeah don't forget to shoot a review at the Apple Store or in the Google Podcast app we do appreciate it thanks for tuning in this week every week next week six weeks from now
1: as long as now. we're employed.
0: Just please please keep tuning in. Uh, Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. We'll see you next week. Peace.